Hello everybody, it is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone who's been listening to the show. I appreciate everyone who's been tuning into the live streams as well. Uh, Now that I got break, I'm going to be doing a lot of live streams, hopefully every single day. Maybe I'll miss one here and there, but for the most part, every single day live streams. Just a bunch of consistent content on the channel. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. I want to talk about the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Nets, the Cavaliers, uh, the All-Star starters being announced, and then I want to talk about the way Anthony Edwards has been performing as of late. So yeah, let's just get right into the episode. First team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Clippers. They just got a massive win over a scorching hot Utah Jazz team, and I feel like they looked very, very good in that win. And overall, this whole season, they've just looked great so far. What I was impressed most by was the way they were able to win games without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They were even missing role players like Patrick Beverly for a while. They were missing Nick Batum, and they were still pulling out wins, which shows the depth of this team and just shows how many options they have. Ever since like Kawhi and Paul George were dealing with some injury issues, Lou Williams has been a guy who stepped up in a massive way. He was really struggling early on in the season, and it looked like Lou... Lou Williams was starting to kind of fall off, but he's back to playing some really good basketball. Isn't playing like a ton of minutes, which I honestly do think is a good thing because in like a close playoff series, I still can't trust Lou Will just because of him on the defensive side of the ball. So him getting used to a role where he's not playing that many minutes, I think is good, but he's shooting 38% from three up to 12.4 points now. And I mean, he's had a lot of just really solid games and good performances. He was great in the jazz game and just recently as a whole he's had a bunch of good games in a row he's averaging basically four assists as well like he's just playing some really really good basketball and I like what I've seen from him a ton recently and I think that's definitely a big piece uh, coming off that bench if he can continue to just play the way he has been and continue to stay consistent Marcus Morris has been awesome off that bench which I'd like to see quite a lot and I think him playing a bench role is honestly the most perfect thing that could have happened to him because while Marcus Morris is a good player uh, don't get me wrong I just think he is a player who can be a ball stopper at times and especially when you already have so much shot creation like they do on this team I think it makes sense to get a guy like Marcus Morris Uh, off that bench who can create his own shot a little bit but can still play when he's alongside a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard Uh, but now he just doesn't get in the way nearly as much he's shooting the ball incredibly he's shooting 50% from three currently basically 90% from the line as well like he's just been a great uh, spark and a great score off the bench for them and he's definitely been a big player for this team and they just have a, a bunch of guys who just kind of fit with this roster even if they're not great Luke Kennard is someone who I'd like to see better. He actually got a DMP coach's decision, which was a pretty bad look. And with them extending him, it's definitely been weird to see him only getting 22 minutes per game. Eight points. I mean, he's shooting 44% from three, but he just hasn't been great. And he really needs to improve on the defensive side of the ball. That's the thing he by far needs to take the biggest step on. And I think that's why he doesn't get minutes at times is just because he can be a bit of a black hole on the defensive side of the ball. 
Or they got a guy like Patrick Beverly, who while Patrick Beverly is never going to stand out or anything, he just fits with this team. And he was huge for them last night against the Jazz. Like, he had a great game last night. Uh, and he's someone who is a very, very good shooter. He has missed some games. Uh, he's only played 20 games all year, but he's shooting 44% from three. We all know his effort on the defensive side of the ball. And when a team was daring him to shoot like they were last night, like he had two wide-open threes, hit both of them. He had a, a big layup at the end as well. Like It was an overall just really good game for him. And while I do think at certain times they do need more playmaking, uh, Patrick Beverly does play a good role for them. And even though they don't have that like primary playmaker that you would like to see, Paul George and Kawhi have both taken steps as playmakers and both made that a bigger part of their game. Paul George has been awesome this year. He's back healthy, which is really, really nice to see. And he was pretty good that Jazz game. Played some limited minutes and uh, didn't have like a great game or anything, but he was solid. And this year as a whole, he's been phenomenal. 50-40-90 club, shooting basically 48% from three on 7.9 attempts, which is incredible. He's averaging a career-high 5.5 assists, also a career-high 3.6 turnovers. But that's just what comes when you get more ball-handling responsibility. Uh, but he's definitely a guy, solidified all-star. He's just been great this year. And I love his response to all the criticism that he's gotten because uh, I was one of the guys who criticized him, and I think he deserved that fully. He was a uh, mess in that playoffs and really, really had some awful moments. So he, he's just been locked in this year, proving how good he is. And I like that energy. I really, really mess with the way he's been playing. And it's been really fun to just watch him. Because you can tell this is just the healthiest that Paul George has been in a while. Because it seemed like he was always dealing with some sort of nagging injury. Even if it wasn't an awful injury. Like the shoulder was affecting him for a while. And I felt like he could never have an offseason to just get fully healthy. And then be ready for the next year. But he has been this year for sure. And he's been playing some of the better basketball of his career. He's been a joy to watch. Kawhi is a guy who's absolutely an MVP candidate. And I have no clue why he's not getting brought up in those conversations more. Kawhi's averaging basically 27, 6, and 5. Uh, pretty similar numbers to last year. But he's been playing some more games. And his efficiency has been great. Like, he's been awesome this year. No one's talking about it. Kawhi is definitely, for me, top five in MVP. Like, I'm, I'm taking Embiid, LeBron, and Dame over him. But after that, it's like, I'd probably say Kawhi is, uh, has a pretty good case to be the fourth guy in the MVP race. Kawhi's been super great for them this year, and I do like to see him playing some more games. Obviously, he's not going to play all of them because that's just that just doesn't really happen anymore, and especially with a guy like him uh, who does have the injury history and does have that issue that has nagged him for a while. You never want to risk that, uh, but yeah, he's been hooping this year. Uh, and he's been locked in on defense as well, which obviously Kawhi's been a good defender throughout his entire career, and he's in his prime, he was one of, if not the greatest perimeter defender of all time. But I did feel like at certain points in the past couple of years, he would be a little bit like lazy on the defensive side of the ball at times. It wasn't an issue by any means. And sometimes I felt like he got a little overrated on the defensive side of the ball just because it kind of came with him more having uh, having more offensive responsibility and having a bigger role on offense. Uh, but this year, he's just been locked in on both sides of the ball been clamping people up on one end and just being the absolute killer closer that he is on the other. He's been a real, real joy to watch this year. Serge Ibaka has been a huge pickup for them. I love what Serge Ibaka brings to this team so much. 
uh, as a guy who can space the floor. And I just love how he allows them to run five out. And I think that really, really brings out the best in Kawhi and Paul George because those two guys are really good ISO players, especially Kawhi. When Kawhi's getting in, into his mid-range area, he's unstoppable. And sometimes, you know, his area would be clogged up a little bit because you'd have someone like Montrez on the floor. But when you have a floor spacer in Serge Ibaka for 24 minutes a game, which is like half the game, then that's absolutely perfect for them. And then he's obviously very good on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, so he's just been the perfect pickup for them. I was very high on that pickup when they made it, but I think it's made even bigger of an impact than I expected. Nicholas Batum has quietly been kind of awesome for them. Like Nicholas Batum was a player that had some really rough years, especially uh, in 2020. I mean, the dude was awful in only 22 games, shot 34.6% from the field, 28.6% from three. Like he was really, really bad. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets and I honestly thought his career could have been over but now with the motivation of him having to play for that next contract I feel like he's just been locked in and he's another guy who's just been healthy this year and that's been so big for him he's shooting 45.6 percent from three like he's been an awesome role player for them and he's a guy who just brings some nice versatility this uh, to this team as a guy who can play the three, can play the four, can shoot. He's a very smart playmaker. Like he's been another just good pickup for them. And this is what I do like that the Clippers did in the offseason is that they didn't necessarily go after the biggest names. They just went after guys who would fit their team and fit the style of play that they wanted to go for. And that has very clearly been super effective. And then I got to give credit to their head coach, Tyron Lue. He was a guy who I didn't have negative opinions on going into the season, but my opinions weren't positive either. I was always just on the wait and see camp for Tyron Lue. I didn't think he was a uh, like a bad coach but I also didn't know if he was a good coach either just because he had LeBron on his team and I mean LeBron is this one of if not the greatest player of all time so it's kind of hard to gauge any coach especially because after LeBron left he had a super limited stint in uh, Cleveland and then was fired right after that so it was impossible to get a gauge on how good of a coach he uh, was but he's been coaching them amazing this year I feel like his rotations have been really good and I feel like the system he's running is really good as well he'll implement like uh, some uh, resemblances of the triangle offense and I think that works really well He's having everybody just play make as a committee. And I think just this team as a whole is flowing much better than it was last year. Because even though uh, they were my championship pick last year, I had my worries about them during the regular season because those guys uh, in their star players weren't playing enough minutes for me. And there was just some things that did worry me a little bit, even though uh, I think I was kind of blinded by just the talent on that this roster. But now that I've really, really closely watched them a lot this year uh, because I just wanted to see if those issues were going to boil over from last year. They definitely haven't. And I do like that they're also flying under the radar. I think that's a really good thing for them that instead of being this hyped championship team, they're flying under the radar, but still looking good. And some Clippers fans may like want credit 
uh, for how well they're doing. And I think they do deserve some credit. But at the end of the day, I think you should be happy with being a bit of an underrated team. Because last year, the expectations for that team were just so ridiculous. Like, the expectations from almost everyone was for them to be a championship team. And when you fall short of that, especially in the fashion that they did, that is a really, really bad look. So now that people don't really expect much out of them, I think that's just allowing them to play free basketball. And obviously, they have to play good down the stretch in the playoffs. So I need Paul George to play well. I need Kawhi to play well. Uh, but I think they can do this. I think this roster just fits a, a whole lot better together. And I think everything that I've seen from the Clippers has looked really, really good. So, yeah, shout out to them. I've been playing some great basketball so far this year. And that was an awesome win to get over an amazing Utah Jazz team. Very, very impressive stuff. And I just like this Clippers team a lot more. And I think this team is definitely a contender. Next, I want to talk about the Denver Nuggets as they've had a very, very weird season so far filled with inconsistencies, some great moments, but also some pretty bad ones as well. And they just haven't been the team that I and most people expect them to be are only currently 16 and 13 and just haven't been uh, the team that uh, we saw last year where they made the Western Conference Finals and they looked uh, great for a long, long time. This team has definitely had some uh, pretty big issues. And I think it all starts with just the inconsistency outside of Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic has been incredible this year, easily an MVP candidate, especially if it, this team was playing better outside of them, uh, outside of him. I think he could be the MVP favorite with how well he's played, averaging 27, uh, 11, 8.6 assists, shooting. Uh, 50, 40, 87.5, like Nikola Jokic has been out of this world this year. He's been incredible and he is not the problem for this team at all. Like I think Jokic is proving to be a borderline top five player in this league. That's how good Jokic has been this year. But when we look at the help outside of Nikola Jokic, it's not necessarily bad. It's just inconsistent. Jamal Murray is not a bad player at all. Jamal Murray is a very talented dude. I mean, he literally just put up 50 points shooting zero free throws. Like, that shows the talent of Jamal Murray, and it showed in the bubble as well. But the thing about Jamal Murray, and I think in until he uh, grows as a player, this is going to be the thing that always is just kind of uh, held over his head is how inconsistent he is. And I think that's completely fair that people would do that because Jamal Murray is inconsistent as hell. He has such high highs, but he also has such low lows where he'll have just a stretch of games where he's not playing terrible, but he'll put up like 12, 15, put up 14, 18. And like those aren't terrible numbers, but for a max contract guy that is being treated like the second best player on this team and that they are paying like the second best player on this team he needs to be more consistent i need to see him shoot uh the three better that was something that i thought was really going to be unlocked after the bubble while i didn't think that performance in the bubble was going to keep up because if it did he would have been a top five point guard in the league uh, i thought some of the things were going to carry over from that and i just feel like they haven't really carried over it's like ours number better from last year yeah but they're not significantly enough better 
that I think it really just shows how good he could have been after what we saw in the bubble. I really thought those tough step back threes, those deep off the dribble threes, I thought that was going to be more of a thing this year. And he's taking more and he's shooting better, but 35.8% isn't really impressive at all. It's just basically league average. And I think Jamal Murray's much more talented as a shooter than that. And with scoring basically being his only role, because Jokic is the main playmaker, he only averages four and a half assists, it just is disappointing that he didn't unlock his scoring completely this year. Because, I mean, while he is still a super young dude, I mean, he's only 23, which is crazy because it feels like he's been in the league for a minute. And I mean, he's been in the league since uh, 2017, which just shows how young these guys are coming into the NBA. Uh, I just feel like he can be better. And I. I feel like sooner rather than later, it's going to be time to stop expecting Jamal Murray to just break out. And obviously, if he does break out, that'd be great for them. Uh, but I think it may be time to stop expecting that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jamal Murray dealt at some point. I'm not saying some point soon, really. Uh, I'm not expecting that to be like a thing that happens in the, in the middle of the season. But if they disappoint in the playoffs... I could see Jamal Murray starting to get explored, and I think they could get a lot of value out of Jamal Murray because people are going to see that potential, and I don't blame people for biting on that potential because it is sky high. Like He has crazy potential. It's just all about him being consistent, and I do hope we start to see him be consistent because I love watching the Nuggets. Jokic is one of my favorite players. Um, I really like Michael Porter Jr. When Jamal Murray's on, he's a blast to watch. Like That Cavs game, this dude put up. 50 points, taking zero free throws. That is insane. Uh, but yeah, he just needs to be more consistent. And the thing that does annoy me is that with his inconsistencies, there's not really a other guy who's been stepping up. Michael Porter Jr. looked really good at the beginning of the season, and I thought he was even breaking out to be the Nuggets' second-best player. But he's definitely taken a pretty big step back. He's only shooting 37% from three right now, which is still... Uh, great, but he was shooting like plus 40% earlier on in the season. And again, I thought he was going to emerge to be their second best player, but he's another guy who's just inconsistent. And that I feel like that's just the theme of this team is inconsistency out of the guys outside of Nikola Jokic. Like MPJ has such a high ceiling. I think he can be one of the best scorers in the NBA, but it's just not totally there yet. Like he'll have some just really off nights because the thing about MPJ is he's a tough shot taker and he is a tough shot maker. But when those tough shots aren't going in, which sometimes they don't because like he takes like Kevin Durant level difficulty shots a lot of times. And it just shows how talented he is that he has the ability to hit those. But those shots are a very, very high difficulty uh, shot. So when they're not going in, it can look pretty ugly for Michael Porter Jr., and he's just, again, another guy who's inconsistent. While he's improving, he's gone better on the defensive side of the ball. And I still have a ton of hope for Michael Porter Jr. He's still only 22 years old. And I think he still has a lot of room to grow. Um, I just feel like he can be better. And hopefully he does start to turn things up. I know he missed a pretty significant amount of games, which probably hurt his momentum. Uh, but he's just someone that, again, want to be more consistent. Jamichael Green, I uh, did get injured, so hopefully he's all good. He's been a massive role player for this team. He is one of those guys that I do really like that they got because he is actually a very consistent player. Uh, the only thing that does suck is that he just can't fill the shoes that um, Jeremy Grant had on this team. Like, 
Jamichael Green's been an awesome role player for them, and I'll constantly say Jamichael Green is one of the most underrated role players in the league. I've been saying this for a while now. Like, I really, really like Jamichael Green, and I thought that was a super underrated pickup for them. But at the end of the day, he's not Jeremy Grant, and he's not what Jeremy Grant brought to this team. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that Jeremy Grant left. And obviously, it was a great decision for Grant uh, because he's grown so much as a player in the bigger opportunity that he's gotten. Uh, but it definitely just hurt this Nuggets team because the thing that worries me the most in like a tough playoff series outside of just the inconsistencies of the other player is that defensive versatility at the wing position. MPJ is growing on the defensive side of the ball, but he's still not great. Uh, his IQ can still be questionable there, and his uh, effort can also be questionable as well. And while, like, Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap, both very smart defenders, I just don't think they have the lateral quickness to guard a lot of these amazing wings. And when you look at the Western Conference, man, there's a lot of really, really good wings and big guards as well. Like, I think they would really struggle to guard a guy like Luka Doncic in a seven-game series. I think they would uh, be given hell by LeBron because LeBron was basically guarded primarily by Dr Jeremy Grant uh, in that playoff series. And Paul Millsap, like, he put up effort on him, but at the end of the day, it's LeBron, and that's a really, really tough uh, dude to guard and then you look at the guard position there's also so many good guards in the west if they had to face a team say like the portland trailblazers i think they would really struggle to guard damon cj there's just way too many amazing offensive players uh that it definitely worries me if they had to face a team like the clippers which it looks like they could face them in the first round i think the clippers would be much more successful this year i think it would still be hard to guard Jokic, but they do have better personnel to guard Jokic now even though no one can guard Jokic. like i'm not saying they would slow him down at all because i watched that celtics game because i'm a celtics fan and oh my lord, it was so annoying to watch Nikola Jokic get guarded perfectly on so many possessions and then him just say fuck it and make the shot anyway. Like Jokic, Jokic is that dude, man. Uh, but yeah, they just need that more defensive versatility to guard the Kawhi Leonard's, the Paul George's, the LeBron's, Luka's, because there are so many of them in this Western Conference and it's just really tough when you don't have that and that's why everybody was making a pretty big deal out of the Jeremy Grant loss. And that was before we even knew how good Jeremy Grant could be on offense. But even when he was just a role player on this team, that role he played was so important. And it's not been all negatives by any means. Like Compazzo, I really, really like watching Compazzo. He's just a super fun guy. Like even though he his numbers aren't great or anything, and I don't think he's going to be some fantastic player. Uh, because he's 29, he is shooting almost 39% from three. He's getting a lot better game by game. Like, he was having some rough moments at the beginning of the year. But now that he's, you know, been uh, starting some games after them dealing with some injuries and he's just been getting more opportunity, he's actually been pretty good for them. And he's super just fun to watch. Like, he's only 5'10". And again, he's not a great player, but I, I do just love, like, the flash he brings to this team with those passes. That pass he had around Kuzma... That was disgusting. Uh, his handles really nice as well. And for him being 5'10", 
He puts up quite a lot of effort on the defensive side of the ball, and he's not a terrible defender, which is pretty impressive. So, yeah, he's definitely a fun player off this bench, and I, I do like to see him just getting more and more acclimated game by game and him playing better game by game. They got Monte Morris, who I think is one of uh, the best backup point guards in the league and I think has an argument to be the best, shooting 39% from three. Super high IQ playmaker as well, and I do uh, really, really like him. And he's just a guy who I do think brings that consistency for them. Zeke Najee's actually had some really good moments recently after not really playing to begin the season. Three-point shooting has been much better than I expected. It is on very limited attempts. Like, he's played 7.4 minutes per game, and he's only shooting 1.43s. But he's shooting 45.5%. That's going to slow down. But I do just really like to see his confidence from out there. And his jumper definitely looks more fluid than what it was at Arizona. And again, I think that just shows in the confidence that he's pulling these threes with. Like, he had a game where he took five threes, and I think he made four of them. And these were just, like, a rhythm catch-and-shoot threes. So if he can be that backup four-slash-five for them, I do think that's nice. Even though I, I do think they are really missing the loss of uh, Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley was huge for this team, man. Uh, Mason Plumley is not a great player by any means, but I do love Mason Plumley as a player and what he brings to any roster. Super high IQ guy, playmaking great, solid rebounder, like just a good all around player. And I think asking like a rookie to be that backup five is definitely. Uh, led to some iffy results because it's basically Zeke Naji and Isaiah Hartenstein playing the backup five, and Isaiah Hartenstein just isn't that good, to be honest. Like, he's not awful, but he's not a player that I'd really want to be a rotation guy on a championship team because that's what the Nuggets want to be at the end of the day. And you do have to have a guy beside... Uh, behind Jokic like as much as Jokic is in a million times better shape than he used to be uh, and he's playing much more minutes than he used to like he's playing basically 36 minutes a game those are still 12 minutes left where you need a backup five uh, so that's definitely something I, I would like to see them work on and I hope Zeke Nashi can just continue to develop throughout the entire year and continue to get better uh, and yeah it's not been awful for the Nuggets it's just this team's underwhelming that would be my best way to describe this team. It's just underwhelming and, again, inconsistent outside of Jokic. Jokic has had so many crazy games that they've managed to lose, and I just think that shows the lack of help outside of Jokic, and I think they're definitely a team that at the trade deadline and especially in the offseason, depending on what happens in the playoffs, I would definitely keep an eye on what the Nuggets are going to do because they could just uh, get some better role players, which I think would definitely help. But I wouldn't be surprised if the next star player that requests a trade is going to Denver. So definitely keep an eye out on them. They've been a weird team this year and have definitely been a little underwhelming from my expectations. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers who have been struggling quite a lot recently after a very hot start where they were looking like a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. They've fallen all the way to the 14th seed in the East, currently 10 and 20 and have just looked real, real bad as of late. Uh, I saw a stat where I think it was in like the last eight games or since a certain date, they were basically last in offense and defense and net rating. It's just been real, real rough for them. Uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland have still looked good, but Colin has definitely slowed down a bit from his really hot start, which I don't think is super surprising. Still around a 23-point-per-game score, and he's still having a very, very good year. 
but not the great year that he was having at the beginning where he was averaging like 25, still shooting the ball very, very well. And he has uh, missed a couple games here and there, so that definitely hasn't helped. Uh, Darius Garland's had a good year this year. Definitely much better than his rookie season. Hasn't been great since he's came back from injury and is another guy who slowed down a tad bit. Uh, but uh, he's just had a nice year so far, shooting uh, 45% from the field, basically 40% from three, 90% from the line, averaging 16. So that backcourt has definitely uh, been playing some really, really good basketball. But it's just kind of when you look at the other pieces on this roster, like Jared Allen's been great ever since uh, they've gotten him, and he's officially taking over the starting spot, which I absolutely love to see. I'm a big fan of that because I just think it means a whole new era uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think they're really going in that youth movement. I mean, Jared Allen, I think he does fit perfectly with those two guards as a guy who rim runs, gets rebounds, blocks shots, and then could just catch lobs. Like I, I do think that it's a really perfect fit for them, especially now that Andre Drummond is being traded, and I just didn't think Andre Drummond was a super impactful winning player uh, for that team. But I, I definitely like what I've seen out of those three guys and then it starts to get pretty rough because they are dealing with some injuries. They're missing Larry Nance Jr., and while Larry Nance isn't like an amazing player, Larry Nance is one of the best role players in the NBA, and he has been a massive loss for this team ever since they've been injured. He's only played 19 games, and he was amazing in those 19 games. Shot 38% from three. He was looking like a defensive player of the year candidate. He was almost averaging two steals per game. He was locking up for them. So that's definitely been a big, big loss. And I think that just shows how impactful he is, especially with their lack of a really great four. Uh, he was playing that role so perfectly. And now that he's out, it's just really, really hurting them because he could run small ball five as well. Like he was the perfect player for that team. And that injury has been uh, really, really uh, rough for this team. Isaac Okoro has been pretty bad this year. Uh, I'm not worried about it at all, though. He's had his flashes. He looks really good in that Nuggets game. Uh, but overall, it's been a rough year for him, especially on the offensive side of the ball so far. Uh, he's shooting 27% from three. He has a plus minus of negative 8.1. Like when he's on the court, they just haven't really looked that good. But he's a young dude who has plenty of room to grow. And I'm definitely not worried about him, uh, even though I am worried about the shooting. I, I think he can uh, find a way, even if he doesn't become a great shooter, even if he's like a 30 to 33% shooter. I still think he could be an impactful offensive player. Uh, and obviously, he's a very good defender. He just needs to grow. He's going to need time. And he's just one of those players who I don't think can be super productive to winning basketball yet. Uh, but I think in the future, he can definitely be. And I think he could be this future uh, three for the team. But yeah, it's been really, really rough with Isaac Okoro out there. I hope he just continues to turn it up as the season goes along. Because he was looking great in like preseason and stuff. But ever since the regular season has started and people are really playing their guys, people are trying to win, it definitely hasn't looked as good for him. 
Uh, Seti Osman's been all right this year. I mean, he's just not a great player. And that's the thing I do want them to improve on the most is just the forward position because I, I think they have the backcourt of their future. I think they have the center of their future. I even think they have the three of the future. Uh, but I just think it's that power forward position that could really, really use some help. And that's why I'm excited that they're probably going to get uh, a pretty high pick in this draft. And even though it would have been cool for them to make the playoffs, I do think for this team's future, it's most conclusive uh, for them to be pretty bad again this year and get a high pick. Because, I mean, if you just look at the top 20, 21 uh, prospects, there are a lot of guys who could fit perfectly uh, with this roster. One that stands out to me is Jonathan Kaminga. I think Jonathan Kaminga is the perfect uh, fit for them. I think he would be incredible for that team as a versatile forward, can play both forward positions. Uh, he's a guy who was a really good defender, could score as well. Like I think that's a beautiful fit for that uh, team. So if they could land someone like that, that'd be awesome for them. There's also other guys they could use for sure. Uh, I mean, they could get another forward and, and uh, have that guy either play the small forward or potentially move Isaac Okoro to be a four. He'd be a bit undersized to do that. But with how versatile the mod modern NBA is, I could see something like that working. So I, I definitely think uh, they do have a bright future. And I definitely think this is uh, not like a sign to be worried about. At the end of the day, it was just a team that while they had a super hot start, and I did think a lot of things were looking good for them, they've had their injuries and they, a lot of these guys on the roster are just cooling down at the end of the day. And I think it's getting exposed, uh, the lack of depth that they have now that they've been dealing with some injuries. Like Dylan Windler's being forced to play some like pretty big minutes. Uh, he's playing 18 minutes a game, and he's been decent. Uh, but he's been pretty disappointing as a shooter. I thought he was going to be a really good shooter, and he's only shooting 30% from three so far. And then they have to play other players like, like Damian Dotson, uh, JaVale McGee's been playing minutes ever since. Uh, Andre Drummond's been out. And, like, th these players aren't terrible players, but for a winning team, you'd probably not want them to be, like, big rotation guys. And it's not like they have the top-tier uh, best talent where they can, uh, like, get over that. Like, a team like the Celtics, and they've even struggled because of that, have been able to win games because they have Jalen Brown, they have Jason Tatum, and they have Kemba Walker. Uh, but this team, I just don't think, is ready to win basketball yet. But I, I just think at the end of the day, you have to take the positives that have came with this season. You have to see the growth of your young guys, how well this team has been coached, and I feel like that it's been coached pretty well. That The fact that I think you have four out of the five uh, starting players for the future for you. You have a great backcourt, a very good center, and a forward who can defend very well, and offense should hopefully come along. So at this point, I just think you should probably uh, continue to grow your young players, obviously, when the players are back from injuries, play them. Uh, but for the most part, their main focus should be on just uh, developing their young talent and then hoping to get a pretty high pick in the draft, continuing to give Isaac Okoro those opportunities. So hopefully he'll be ready uh, when they actually try to start winning games, which hopefully should be next season. 
And then if you, I think if you can get a forward, you're going to have that starting lineup of the future for you. If you can get a Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Corey Kispert, like there's a lot of forwards in this draft who could really, really be uh, helpful for them. And I think they have a super bright future. I'm really excited uh, about what they're going to be able to do in the future. I think they're going to be uh, a team that can make the playoffs in the next season. It's just a team that started off hot, but that wasn't for real. And it, while it's unfortunate, this team is far from being just an awful team and far from having a bad future. I'm really excited about the Cavs' future, but they've definitely struggled a lot recently. Next team I want to talk about is the Brooklyn Nets. Just such a tough team for me to gauge as they really haven't had their big three that much. Like Kevin Durant had his issues where he's uh, sat out games due to rest. And then he had the COVID thing. He's had uh, just little injuries here and there as well. And they're definitely just a super interesting and hard team to evaluate. Because while on the offensive side of the ball, we all know how crazy this team is. Uh, we all know how bad the defense is as well. And I think they're one of those teams that I just don't really know what to think about them until we see them in a close playoff series. Because obviously, Kyrie and Harden are going to do their thing. Like Those guys are going to be uh, the best backcourt in the NBA this season. And then we obviously got uh, Kevin Durant, the best scorer uh, in the NBA like scoring wise, this team is ridiculous, and the ceiling for them is obviously very, very high. Especially considering you got someone like Joe Harris, who's been awesome this year. Joe Harris needs to get more credit for how good he's been. The dude on six point six attempts is shooting fifty percent from three. Like, oh my god, he's so impactful for this team. He's not a great defender. He's not terrible either. Just not great. Uh, but due to how good he is on the offensive side of the ball, I think he's a massive player for this team. And he's just been great for them this year. Another stud offensive player. But that defensive side of the ball, especially, it's just all about the interior defense that terrifies me so much. Because DeAndre Jordan is bad. Like, there's no other way around it. DeAndre Jordan is not good. There's a reason why they're start starting like Jeff Green over him. And it's just funny to me how... Uh, it was such a big deal that Jared Allen, who was the better player than him, was starting last year. Uh, and then uh, he's getting started over by Jeff Green now. That's just that's just really, really funny to me. And, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, I don't care what his numbers say. Uh, I don't care about any of that. He's a bad basketball player, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He was always overrated on defense. But now, especially that he lost that athleticism, which was kind of the only thing that really made him. Uh, great defender and his size in the first place he's just real real bad on that interior and it worries me a lot in a series against a team like the 76ers who at this moment are my pick to make it out of the eastern conference it really worries me how they're gonna try and stop a guy like Joel Embiid and it's not even just stopping Joel Embiid because if Ben Simmons is locked in and he's attacking the basket like we all know he has the capability to how are the Brooklyn Nets going to stop that unless they make a big move, which is why I think they're definitely a team to watch at the trade deadline uh, because I and the bio market because I think there'll be a lot of people that they'll have interest in. I think someone like JaVale McGee would be a really smart pickup for them. Honestly, just any solid enough center because at this point, like they're not going to have an amazing center on the roster. That just kind of is what it is. They're going to have to be such a – electric offense that the defense doesn't really matter 
that just is what it is. Uh, but at a certain point, your defense needs to be good enough. Uh, and I don't think it needs to be great because this Eastern Conference is so weak this year. Like 76ers, uh, while I do really like what I've seen from them, and again, they're my pick to come out of the East. I'll, I'll always worry about the injuries with that roster. The Bucks, I just don't believe in that team with Mike Budenholzer. I don't believe in the Celtics, the Pacers, the Raptors. Like, I think this East is very, very weak, so this would be the best year for them to take advantage of that. But at the end of the day, also, it's like, even if they do make it out of the East, which is very realistic that they do, it's all about winning a championship. And if Anthony Davis is healthy for the Lakers, I don't really think there's much of a chance that they win the championship. Uh, with the offensive talent that they do have, anything is possible. Uh, but Anthony Davis would give them so many problems, and LeBron attacking the interior as well, because their perimeter defense isn't great either, would give them so many problems that I just can't believe in this team to win a close series because the defense is so important. It's so rare that you see a, a team be great without at least being average on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying this team needs to be top five, top ten on defense. But average, even slightly below average, if they were like the 18th defense, I could believe in them. But they are that bad on defense that even though they have three of the most offensively talented people we've ever seen, it's still hard for me to believe in them. Uh, but James Harden definitely has looked great for this team. Uh, having honestly like a career year for them, while his numbers necessarily aren't like the best, he's been amazing this year. He's shooting 50, 40, 90 ever since he's joined the Nets, which has been it's been a treat to watch, man, because James Harden is just playing in such a better role now where he's not being asked to do so much. And that's why I think he's really uh, showing how good of a three-point shooter he is because he's always been a better three-point shooter than the percentages indicate. And his percentages have never even been bad. But when you're taking 13, 12 threes a game, and a lot of these uh, being step back, difficult threes, you're not going to be a super high percentage guy. You're going to shoot around the 35 to 37 percent range. But now that he even though he is still taking those step backs, because that's just what James Harden does. A lot more of his threes are coming off of the catch. A lot more of these threes are just much more open. He's showing that he is one of the best shooters in the league and one of the best shooters we've seen of all time. And he's, I mean, he's shooting 7.4 threes a game and 40.8% ever since he's joined the Nets. He's getting to the line 6.6 times, 90% from there. And honestly, the thing that's just impressed me the most is the playmaking, man. That playmaking is special. He's almost averaging 12 assists per game, which is just crazy. Uh, and he's just really taking advantage of all the weapons he has on this team. And he's just uh, dishing it to all of them, getting everybody involved. And everyone's playing off him very, very well. James Harden's always been a great playmaker. He's even averaged 11 assists in a season before. Uh, but his scoring was so good that that was the thing that always would stand out. But now that he is being more of a playmaker, we really get to see that playmaking get unlocked, which I, I do like to see a lot. And again, with all just the offensive weapons he has on this team, it's so easy for him to get assists because he has, he can have a KD on the wing and Kyrie on the other one. And then you got Joe Harris in the corner. You're running small ball. You got Jeff Green in the other corner and James Harden's ice one at the top of the key. Like it's, it is impossible to guard that offense. And I, I do really like the role that I've seen from James Harden on this team. And I think he's just taking a big step in maturity as a player 
because he's understanding that this is a completely new and different situation for him, and he has to be more of a playmaker. Kyrie even said it to him. He said, you're the point guard on this team. I'm the shooting guard. It doesn't matter what size those two guys are. That is the role they play. And speaking of Kyrie, Kyrie's also been phenomenal this year. Kyrie is basically shooting 50-40-90. He's 0.1% away from the, from the free throw line to shooting 50-40-90. And he's averaging 27.7 points. Like, he's just been a killer for them this year. And he's been so, so impressive, man. Like, Kyrie's been awesome this year and he's showing just how talented he is it's always just been the injuries for me that worries me about Kyrie because I, I do worry about him consistently staying on the floor but when that man is on the floor he's just unstoppable because what are you supposed to do about a guy who is as skilled as Kyrie Irving Kyrie has the best handle we've ever seen he can shoot it from anywhere on the floor he can finish with both hands better than almost anyone in the league like, Kyrie is just a truly, truly special player and is having such an awesome season. And, like, I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan by any means. I'm a Celtics fan, and there was definitely some annoying things that happened when Kyrie was over there. But he's just a show to watch, and anyone who denies that is just lying to themselves because Kyrie, every single night, is must-see TV. Uh, and he's just another one of the best offensive players we've ever seen, and it's just so crazy to me. And sometimes I just like sit back and think like we are really seeing a team with Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant all on it in their primes like that is ridiculous. It's just all about now the Nets making savvy, smart moves at this trade deadline, getting more defensive guys, especially on the interior. And this and then this team can be successful because uh, their offense is so good, and as long as their defense is, again, average, I think they can be good enough. Uh, but I just need to see that defense step up, and then I'll start believing in this team. Uh, but the offense definitely has been a show to watch, and do not get me wrong, this team is fun as hell. Like I love watching this team every single night. They're an absolute pleasure, because th this is just one of the most beautiful fluent offenses I've ever seen, and it's crazy that we get to see all three of these guys in their prime uh, playing basketball with each other. A true, true special uh, sight to see, and the Nets have been playing some good basketball recently. Now I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, who definitely have had their struggles recently, did get a pretty important win uh, against the OKC Thunder last night. Uh, where OKC just really, really struggled. Everyone on that team was having a rough night, basically. Uh, but I've continued to be super un unimpressed by the Bucks this year. If you know me, I've been pretty negative about them all season. Uh, I've said basically the entire season that I'm taking the 76ers over them. I'd probably take the Nets over them as well. And I just continue to not like what I've seen from the Bucks, And I think we're seeing the same old story uh, that happened last year. And people really need to start realizing this. I think Bucks fans have realized this, and I think people outside of the Bucks fan base are starting to realize this as well. But in my opinion, this team just isn't going anywhere with Mike Boonholzer as their head coach. Mike Boonholzer is a proven uh, playoff choker, and I just, again, don't think he, they can go anywhere with him at the helm of it. Because while Mike Boonholzer's systems do work very well in the regular season, and there's a reason why we've seen the Bucks be so good in the regular season for multiple years in a row, those simple uh, and, and just, again, very, very basic uh, schemes that he has 
do get exposed pretty frequently in the playoffs. We saw that against the Heat. So many people will talk about like just strictly the matchup. And while the Heat did have the perfect personnel, they did a great job of guarding Giannis. I think the much bigger story in that series with was how badly Eric Spolstra outcoached Mike Boonholzer. It was a fucking joke how bad Mike Boonholzer got outcoached. It was an embarrassment. Like he was getting circles ran around him by Eric Spolstra. And I think in a good playoff series against a very good team, that is gonna happen again. Even a coach like Doc Rivers, I think, could coach circles around Mike Boonholzer because this scheme is just way too simple. And I think we're seeing people catch on to it this year. There's a reason why they're 17 and 13. Obviously, Drew Holiday has dealt with his injuries. And that's been unfortunate that he's had to miss games because that was a big acquisition for them. But for the most part, it just comes down to the fact that people are figuring out this team. Uh, one thing that really annoys me about them is the misutilization of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is obviously an amazing player, and even with him being extremely misutilized, in my opinion, he still overcomes that, which just shows how talented of a dude he is. Like, he's still having an MVP caliber season as far as numbers, 28, 12-6. Uh, and six. Uh, is struggling from the free throw line, but is actually better than last year. Uh, struggling from the three, but still, again, a great year for Giannis as a whole. Uh, but I do think Giannis could be even better if he was utilized in a better role. And in my opinion, that's being used more as a traditional big man. While Giannis is a super unique talent, and I think they should uh, completely take advantage of how unique of a talent Giannis is, uh, he is a guy who is more of a big man. And I think this role that he's being played in, where he's isoing at the top of the key so frequently, I just think that's a very, very bad role for someone who plays more the style of a traditional big man. And again, Giannis is super unique, uh, but used in the pick and roll, I think that's where Giannis would be at his best. Because while he does get past players a lot, and especially in the regular season when teams are obviously trying to win, but they're not intensely game planning for every single game, it's pretty easy for him to just blow by guys. Uh, but that's why that wall defense works and I think will continue to work until they get a head coach who runs a more complicated system because the wall stops Giannis from going uh, downhill and attacking the basket. And when you just keep having him doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to continue to get the same results over and over again. So use Giannis in the pick and roll. Cause like, think about this, who is guarding a Drew Holiday in Giannis pick and roll or a Chris Middleton in Giannis pick and roll. Like, what are you supposed to do about that? What are you supposed to do about trying to guard Chris Middleton, who's become a, an elite scorer in this league, is deadly from the mid-range, deadly from the three, but you still have to worry about Giannis on the roll. And he barely is ever setting screens. He's barely ever playing center, which is another thing. I think they need to do much more. Or he's just not going to reach the potential he has He has the capability to. And I think he made a pretty big mistake by signing that extension. I was super constantly just saying that, Giannis, do not sign this extension. And it wasn't even just about Milwaukee in general. It was more about just keeping flexibility for himself. But I also just think Milwaukee has made some mistakes 
with holding on to Mike Budenholzer this long. It amazes me how they saw what happened last year and held on to Mike Budenholzer. I was someone when the Heat uh, basically made that series impossible for the Bucks to come back when they were up 3-0. I was saying right then, when they lose the series, you have to fire Mike Budenholzer the second the series is over. But for some reason, they have this weird obsession to holding on to a guy who is so clearly holding this team back and is holding their best player back. Like, this roster is far from perfect, but it's damn good. Like, Chris Middleton has been the closer for them this year. He's had another great year. He's shooting almost 50-40-90 yet again. He's playmaking, being the closer down the stretch. Drew Holiday, when he's healthy, is a guy who can run, pick, and roll. Great perimeter defender. Uh, can score for himself. Creates for others. But I feel like he's also... Another guy who's being misutilized. He's been used off ball a lot this year. And what confuses me so much is my thought process was always that the Drew Holiday pickup was going to be so he was going to be used in a lot of pick and rolls with a guy like Giannis and he could be a creator for others. But he's being used a lot off ball and as an off ball shooter while he's been decent at it this year. Again, I just think that's not maximizing what he can bring to this team, and especially when you gave up as many assets and as many picks as you did for Drew Holiday on a one-year contract. I think you, he would be a super big part of this offense, but he's just not been, and it's just mind-blowing to me. Like uh, he all, uh, Mike Boonehoser also has his issues where he just plays certain players too much that I don't think really deserve it. Like, he has this weird obsession with playing Pat Connaughton way too many minutes. And Pat Connaughton's actually been pretty good this year, so I'll give him that credit. He's been a lot better than uh, last year. He's shooting almost 39% from three. Uh, but there are still certain times where I'm like, why the hell is Pat Connaughton on this court so much? He has certain games where he'll play like 30 minutes, and it just it just confuses me so much. And again, the thing that's frustrating to me is I think this roster is great. I think they made a ton of smart decisions personnel-wise in the offseason. I think DJ Augustine was a great pickup. I think Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, I think all those guys were good pickups. But why are you not playing someone like Torrey Craig more? Why are you playing Thanasis Antetokounmpo more than Torrey Craig at times? Like, what are you doing? It just blows my mind. That Tory Craig has got so many like DMP coaches decisions because Tory Craig is a very very good wing defender. He isn't a great shooter by any means, but he shoots it well enough. So him to get 11.4 minutes a game and only play 16 games due to a lot of just coaches decision DMPs is another thing that just baffles me and confuses me so so much. I don't understand what the Bucks are doing. And even though Giannis did sign that extension, you have to continue to play good basketball and you have to give Giannis the hope of being a championship team because even though, again, he signed a long-term extension, that doesn't mean much in the modern NBA. We saw Paul George sign a, what, four-year extension and then literally request a trade the year after he signed the extension? Like... This is such a different NBA than what it used to be. So you have to continue to keep your uh, best player happy. And I think they're doing the exact opposite of that. I think they're making big mistakes. And this is yet another year where I don't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'll continue to say this. It comes down to the head coach. This roster is well constructed. It's a nice team. 
but they're being held back. And until Mike Boonholzer either becomes less stubborn, which I don't think that's going to happen because that's just been Mike Boonholzer's reputation, what he's done for these past couple years and basically his entire coaching career as a whole, until he either becomes less stubborn or until they become less stubborn and they fire him and they get a better coach who actually runs systems and can unlock their best players, then I don't think this team is going to be successful at the end of the day. Uh, I just don't like what I've seen from them. They've lost five out of their uh, past six games, and they even at a certain point, they were close with a struggling Thunder team. Like, I just hate what I've seen from the Milwaukee Bucks this year, and they're not looking like nearly the juggernaut that most people expected them to. And my expectations weren't even that high because of Mike Budenholzer, but they've even disappointed my somewhat low expectations compared to everyone else, which just uh, I think completely shows how underwhelming they've been this season. I've been really unimpressed by the Milwaukee Bucks as a team so far, and I don't think they're going anywhere with Mike Budenholzer. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back, and I want to talk about the 2021 All-Star Game starters. I think most of these are honestly pretty obvious. LeBron and KD are the captain of each conference. Uh, Obviously, you'd expect that to happen uh, with Kevin Durant coming off his injury, and he's just one of the most popular players in the league. And then, obviously, LeBron was going to be the captain. No matter how well anyone else plays in that Western Conference, LeBron is always going to be the captain. Then you got Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. Kyrie Irving someone who uh, I could see someone uh, saying that a player like Jalen Brown could be over or even uh, James Harden on his own team could be over. But Kyrie Irving, another just super popular guy, and Kyrie's been absolutely phenomenal this year. So he definitely deserves that all-star starting spot. Uh, Bradley Beal, as much as the Wizards have struggled, he's been amazing this year. And I could understand people bringing uh, his team into it. Uh, But I do think it should be more of an individual award, especially when we talk about All-Star than anything, even though I think teams should be brought into it somewhat. Bradley Beal's been way too good for his team record, which is actually getting better. And I mean, they're closer and closer to the playoffs day by day, even if I don't think they'll make it. Uh, Bradley Beal's been way too amazing for him not to be a starter this year. Giannis has been great, uh, even though the Bucks have had their struggles and I haven't liked what I've seen from them. Giannis is having another MVP caliber season just as far as numbers wise and he's been amazing for the Milwaukee Bucks this year uh, and obviously another just super popular player so obviously he's going to be the starter Joel Embiid is my MVP so far so it absolutely makes sense for him uh, to be a starter in the all-star game he's been playing some of the best basketball of his career and he's been absolutely phenomenal so far Stephen Curry coming back from injury has been ridiculous for the Golden State Warriors so far I mean he's been absolutely phenomenal is having a season on par with his uh 2016 season even though they haven't won a ton of games they're still a playoff caliber team and Steph Curry is the biggest reason for that by far he's getting doubled every single night and is still putting up crazy crazy numbers so yeah Steph Curry not surprising at all that he's a starter and then we get into the controversy and this is what I mainly want to talk about Luka Doncic is starting in the All-Star game. Luka Doncic is my favorite player in the NBA, so you can think I have some bias with that. I'm literally wearing the statement uh, Luka Doncic jersey right now. But I think people are freaking out about this way too much. Now, do I think Damian Lillard should be starting in the All-Star game? 
Absolutely. Even, even as a huge Luka fan, I can admit that. Damian Lillard has been playing better basketball, and he's been leading his team to more wins. Like Dame has been incredible so far this year. But what does it really matter that Luka's starting over Dame? And it doesn't matter at all. Because the thing that always puzzles me about when people freak out about anyone starting over someone in the All-Star starting in the All-Star game is that while it probably means something to the players because it's cool to be named an All-Star starter, at the end of the day, when we look back at Damian Lillard's career, is anyone going to say, wow, Dame wasn't an All-Star starter ever? No, we're going to look at how many appearances he has. No one cares when these players' careers are over, how many All-Star games they've started. So that's just the thing that confuses me so much why people are freaking out about this so much especially due to the fact that guys we should have known Luca was going to be starting in the all-star game he's a more popular player than Damian Lillard and he's still playing very very well I'd say Dame is playing better but it's not like Luca's playing much worse than him Luca's still playing excellent basketball and is playing some of the highest caliber basketball in the league and Luca is a player who has an entire country behind him backing him and supporting him so obviously, he's going to get the fan love. And because a ton of people in the United States love him as well. He's just a worldwide popular player. And he's having a great season as well. And then when we're talking about starting, uh, the fan vote is the thing that gets weighed the most. So it's just so puzzling to me why people are making such a big deal out of Dame not starting. When at the end of the day... That's irrelevant. And again, I'll keep going back to the point that when we look at the end of Damian Lillard's career and we're looking back on his legacy, this is not going to be brought up by anyone because it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So why are we making such a big deal out of it? All that matters is how many all-star games you make. And absolutely, Damian Lillard is going to be an all-star this year. So why are we freaking out about it so much? It just really, really confuses me because this is irrelevant. Like... And again, people are just acting like Luka has no business being over Dame. While Dame's been better than him this year, Luka's been awesome as well. He's averaging 29, 8, and 8. He's carrying that Mavericks team on a lot of nights. Their team has been missing a ton of role players all year. I think they've had the most like amount of games missed due to COVID this year. They've been hit super hard by that. They're missing key role players every single night. Luka's improved on defense. Like Luka's been great this year. So just why are we freaking out about this so much? It, it It's so weird to me, and I'll never understand that because it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. But yeah, I think Dame deserves to be starting over Luka, but who cares? Dame is going to be off the bench, and he's probably going to be the first pick off of the bench as long as they're doing the draft, which I'm not actually 100% sure. Are they still doing the draft? Yeah, like Dame's going to be the number one pick off the draft. Whether he's on LeBron or KD's team, he's probably going to be that guy. So why are we freaking out about this so much? It just doesn't make sense to me. And then you got Kawhi Leonard, who's had a great season, MVP caliber season from him so far. He's been locked in uh, for the Clippers and has been the best player on that team. And then Nikola Jokic, who's been playing ridiculous basketball. Definitely makes sense for those guys to be a starter. And honestly, I think this was my exact or pretty close to exact list of what i predicted like i actually didn't do an episode of me uh, predicting the all-stars because uh, i did like who i thought deserved to be an all-star after a month but yeah this just makes sense uh there's not really any big surprises for me at all 
And yeah, those are the all-star starters for the 2021 all-star game. Uh, I'm excited for that weekend. That that should be a fun one, at least hopefully. And yeah, I just don't understand why people are making such a big deal out of it. Last thing I want to talk about this episode is Anthony Edwards and the way he's been playing recently. Did have a pretty rough game against the Toronto Raptors, uh, but did get one of the greatest poster dunks I've ever seen. That was, man, that was so rude. Anthony Edwards absolutely killed that man. That was one of the nastiest dunks I've seen in a while. But I want to give a lot of credit to Anthony Edwards for how he's been playing recently. Again, he did have a bit of a dud uh, against the Raptors, but as a whole, uh, in recent memory, he's been pretty good recently. Like, he had a bad game against the Pacers as well, but I think this is just what's going to come with Anthony Edwards and his play style, at least when he's a young dude. Because, I mean, all young players are going to be inconsistent. That's just what comes with being a young guy. Unless you're, like, truly, truly special and just different, it's hard to be uh, a, cons- a consistent player when you're just such a young guy and when you're dealing with uh, circumstances uh, like he is. Like There's been so many guys in and out for the Timberwolves. Both of their star players have missed a lot of games. He's been asked to do too much at times. And he's just a player that I always knew was going to have his ups and downs. But it's all about just seeing the ups and seeing what causes those ups that has made me so happy uh he had a couple just really good games and i think this thing that stood out to me the most was that ever since carl anthony towns has came back the way he's been playing in the pick and roll has been much better than it was before and i just think it comes with the fact that carl anthony towns is such a crazy offensive weapon that Every team is going to be watching out for Carl Anthony Towns. So when you're running a pick and roll or you're running a pick and pop, it just makes life a lot easier for Anthony. And it frees a lot of room up for him. Uh, There was multiple plays in these past couple of games where Anthony Edwards will be running a pick and pop with Carl Anthony Towns. And they're so worried about him shooting it because he's the greatest shooting big man of all time. That Anthony Edwards just gets a free lane to the basket. And that's where he can use that crazy athleticism that we saw with that poster. Uh, to take full advantage of that and just get an easy bucket at at the hoop. Like, Anthony Edwards has all the tools to be a great player in this league, especially when we're talking about physically. This dude is 6'4", 6'5", 225 pounds, incredibly strong, uh, can attack the basket fearlessly and have people bump off of him. And then we obviously know his uh, ability to just jump out of the gym as well. It's just about him becoming a more consistent player and becoming a more smart player because that is the one thing I, I do want to continuously see him grow on is that he just does um, make some pretty bad rookie mistakes at times. And his basketball IQ can be questionable for me. Like his playmaking, I don't know if that's ever really going to come around to be anything but average to slightly below average. Uh, and that's definitely something I do want to see him grow. And I think that's something that we could see him grow in w- with uh, D'Angelo Russell missing like a month and a half uh, with him having just more offensive responsibilities. So that's definitely something I'd like to see. Like when he's running those pick and rolls with Carl Anthony Towns, I would just like to see him have more of an initiative uh, to hit his players when he's either attacking the basket or hit Carl Anthony Towns when he's running uh, the screen with him. But again, he's looked good for the most part. The three-point shooting is super interesting to me as it's just another part of his game that really comes and goes. He's had some really hot shooting nights, and he absolutely has the confidence from out there, which is a big part because... 
a lot of rookies and a lot of young guys as a whole don't have the confidence. And especially when it comes to shooting, confidence is such a big part of being a good shooter. Uh, someone like Cam Reddish comes to mind for me, where a lot of times he doesn't look super confident. And I think that is a big part of why his results as a shooter can be underwhelming. Anthony Edwards absolutely has the confidence. It just now comes to him becoming a better shooter because he's a decent enough shooter, but he takes a lot of really difficult shots. Uh, but I do like his ability to create space on those shots. He uses his a really nice handle to create a lot of a lot of room. He's shown the ability to hit like step back threes occasionally. He'll hit off the dribble once. He'll hit pull up ones uh, on the fast break, and that just again shows that confidence from outside. Uh, when uh, he's such a young guy, just having the ability to hit those difficult shots, especially when we're talking about like down the stretch of close games is very, very important. And I think that's what makes all the best players is that ability to close out games. So Anthony Edwards having somewhat of the ability to do that, I think is definitely big for him. He just needs to continue to work on his game and can continues to need to sharpen his skill and fully unlock those athletic tools. I'd like to see him continue to get better on the defensive side of the ball for sure uh, because that is something that is, uh, again with him, just comes and goes where he'll show effort sometimes. And when he's showing effort, I think Anthony Edwards can be a lockdown defender but his effort can be inconsistent at times, and his IQ can be inconsistent at times. Sometimes the the other team will catch him lazy, and he'll get like be on an easy backdoor cut or something like that. But sometimes he'll also play great defense on the other team's best player. It's again, and this I think is going to be the story with Anthony Edwards throughout his entire career is just the consistency because he has moments where he reminds me of Victor Aldipo, even someone like Dwayne Wade, which obviously is very, very high praise. But he also has a lot of Dion Waiters types of moments, and that's what we see in the 0-7 from 3, 0-4 from 3, 1 of 7 from 3. It's just the crazy confidence, but not necessarily all the skill to back it up. And Anthony Edwards is definitely an interesting case. He was someone who I evaluated before the draft, and he was a very confusing player for me to evaluate. At one point, I had him as, like, the best player in the class. I've had him at four. I had him at three. Like, he was all over the place for me. Uh, and it just... Be and it was just because of his inconsistencies because I knew he had all the physical talent. I knew he had all the skill in the world, uh, but I just didn't know if it was going to come along. And it's came along at certain points, and it's also looked real ugly at certain points. Uh, but I do think you guys just have to take the positives with him and hope that those negatives can uh, just continue to become less noticeable and he can continue to work on them. Like, I'd love to see him get to the free throw line more and more. Again, just using those physical tools. Love to see him become a better playmaker, more consistent defender. Uh, but I think all these things can come along, which is a good sign for them because Anthony Edwards definitely has just the raw talent to become a great player in this league. And that's why uh, I kept him as high as I did uh, on my draft board, even though I thought other players were more solidified, just solid guys. Like I always had LaMelo at number one for the most part. When I started, I scouted Anthony Edwards before LaMelo, so I had him at number one, but then I, I put LaMelo at number one once I saw him. Uh, but I thought a guy like Anyeka Kongwu was more just solid than him. I thought uh, Killian Hayes was more solid than him, and even though those two guys haven't looked great this year, uh, I think that still can come to fruition, but I always thought Anthony Edwards had the highest ceiling in the class, and now with how LaMelo's playing, I don't think that to be the case anymore, 
But I do think Anthony Edwards' ceiling is still ridiculously high. I think he could be in the Donovan Mitchell, Victor Oladipo type of lane. It just all comes with him uh, developing as a player. And he's definitely a player I'm going to continue to keep a close eye on. And I'm really excited to watch him just grow as a player. Uh, I do really just love how like happy he is. He always seems to just be having a blast out there. Like when he got that poster dunk, he was just all smiles. His post-game interviews are hilarious when he was talking about like, yo, I got some Popeyes. Like Anthony Edwards is just a super cool dude. So I hope he continues to play good basketball because uh, I just really like watching him. And he's definitely, again, a guy I'm just going to keep super close tabs on. And I think it's just a nice thing for the Timberwolves because in a season where they've been terrible, they've been the worst team in the league. Uh, there's definitely a lot of negatives that you could take away. Uh, but with how Edwards is playing recently, I think that's a big positive you can take. And it's been really fun to watch Anthony Edwards as of late. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.